Hey, this is Nathan. And this is Thomas. Thanks so much for joining us today on Not the Pastor. Today, our special guest is Daniel Davidson. He is the pastor of Hillview Baptist Church, and they have recently gone through a building program where they built a building from the ground up. Now, he has a lot of good advice and some things that if you're in the position where you're getting ready to start a building program or maybe you're in the works there, this is going to be a good help to you. And so we're going to talk about some things like stewarding what you have. We're going to talk about keeping keep moving forward until God shuts doors. We're going to talk about being picky with your hired skilled laborers, your architect, your contractors, those kind of things. We're going to talk about the fact that learning can cost money. And sometimes the cost of those mistakes is just the part of learning as you go. We're also going to talk about sometimes trying to cut corners or going cheap. It turns out to cost more money in the long run. I think that this kind of advice is going to be a help if you ever find yourself in the position of needing to build or even remodel buildings. So let's listen in as Brother Daniel Davidson talks to us about building programs. Well, here we are again with Pastor Daniel Davidson. Thank you for agreeing to be with us on the show again. And we're going to talk today about... uh, a church building program because that is a monumental endeavor and uh, I know Hillview Baptist Church being here at Hillview with you uh, that's something that we just went through and got to see uh, a lot of the leadership there firsthand so we just wanted to ask you a few questions about that Pastor Davidson and uh, see if you could share some wisdom with us so what, why don't we just jump right into it here maybe backing up to the very beginning when did you know that it was time to, to go into or begin a building program at Hillview Baptist Church? Well, a, a nutshell history of, of our church. I, I took the, the church in 2004. It was a, a struggling work. We would call it in, in modern lingo, church revitalization or restart. And the, the church was in the storefront, didn't have a building of its own. It was almost a dilapidated old building. So that first year, I just set aside September as stewardship month, where we were going to play up the need and give people opportunity to commit to this. And, and that first year, just with a handful of people at a stewardship banquet, uh, our people committed $15,000. So that was really the first step in, in our in our story of, of buildings. But over the years, there's been been two mindsets that have driven our, our facilities and, and building projects. And one is a mindset of stewardship. Luke 16, 10 says, he that is faithful in that which is least shall be faithful in that which is much. And just to steward what we have right now, make the most of it, trusting that God will open up greater opportunities. And, and God has done that for us over the years, because in 2008, we were able to purchase purchased a dilapidated old building uh, just up the road from where we are right now and renovate that. And we were there for about a decade. We stewarded that the best we could. And then in the meantime, we purchased some property, eventually built the building that we're in right now. And it's just been a, a mindset of stewardship. So that, that I think that's the first mindset. But then the second aspect of a building program when to move forward is 
and it, it's akin to stewardship, exploring all other options first before committing to build. Are, are there other options? Now, when we were meeting at the Grange in 2007, I mean, we just wanted to own our own property. We wanted to have that stability. So that was kind of the mindset then. But once we got into that building, uh, just in a short time, I mean, it became an issue with parking. We had to park off site. At a certain point, we went to two services. Then we went to overflow. And there was a book that was pivotal in my thinking. It's an older book now. It was called When Not to Build. And it just gave you creative ideas to pursue, creative ideas in alternatives to building. And I feel like we did that, man. I mean, Nathan, you were part of uh, some, some of those explorations and, and uh, creative ideas before we went to this building project. I mean, are there any other options? Yeah, two services. Man, that was rough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and so I, I sat next to an older preacher on an airplane several years ago before did this building project. And I said, so tell me, tell me about getting into a building project, building from ground up. Because at that point, I had not built from ground up. It was just renovation type building projects. And, and he just said, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm like, well, thanks for the advice. Yes, that's helpful. But, but after being through it, I can see why I would say that. I mean, it, there are a lot of challenges. But going back to that stewardship principle, have we stewarded every resource that God has given us now right. before moving forward? Because buildings are always going to be more expensive than we anticipate. Yes. And there's always going to be more headache than you can expect. I mean, it ended up being a great experience when it's all said and done, but, uh, but there, there's just a high cost. So stewardship, I think, is the, the underlying mindset when it comes to building programs. Sounds like when you took over there at Hillview, the, the emphasis was going to be, we're going to move forward. We're going to move on. Like you clearly weren't saying where you were forever. If Jesus was going to bless your congregation, grow it all, you guys weren't going to be able to stay in that little building for very long. And so it sounds like from the very beginning that you are going to have that idea of having to keep moving. And so I mean, then the idea that you stewarding what we have with the look and the focus that, hey, we have other things to move on to soon as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Always moving forward. I mean, I right. have a mindset of let's just move forward and trust God to open up the doors. I think that um, there've been some times that uh, in my own personal life, I'm not talking about church life, just personal life. I, thought, oh, it's, I could, I need this other thing or I need to sit, but if I would remember to steward what I have now, I probably would have been much more content and that probably can overflow to some church life situations as well. And be, it's good to remember. Yeah, that, that mindset of, is there anything else that we can do before we build was uh, was very helpful and probably gets missed at times. But once once it became very clear for us that it was time to build, which for us was really parking. I mean, that was the, the one thing that we just couldn't do anything else with. We had to have more parking. Uh, what were the first few steps whenever you knew in your heart that God was leading us to begin this building program? Well, God had to open up doors for property because we'd explored so many different options back in 2012, 2013. We were talking to multiple neighbors, asking if they would sell their property and we could acquire that and turn into parking. And man, they, they kept saying, well, at this, this price, you know, $800,000 for, you know, these two acres, and at that time, that was ridiculous. Now it wouldn't be ridiculous. I mean, that maybe be a good deal, but uh, but back then it was just ridiculous. And and so God just kept closing all those doors. And so when God opened up a door to purchase the property that we're on at the end of 2013, going into 2014, 
then we just sense, okay, God's in it. And then, then from there, after acquiring the property, and that's a story in of itself, but God landed us some property, 3.63 acres that provide a future for us. We're never going to outgrow this property because we can eventually, and we could build up, have a facility that would house 600 people here. And so that's a great opportunity, especially in our context. But then as soon as we were done, we just immediately went to the city and said, hey, what, what is needed? And there's two approval processes needed in our area, our county, our city. And that is discretionary use to have permission to actually have the church here. And then secondly, a site plan review where they actually approve the scope of the plan. And so okay. it's two different approvals, but we pursued both simultaneously. About that time, I spent uh, a little bit of fellowship with Bill Wrench in Southern California at a fellowship meeting. Mm -hmm. He'd been through multiple building projects, and I just asked him, hey, we have property. We're moving forward with the city. What advice would you give? And he says, always just keep moving forward until God shuts the door. And, and don't, don't be waiting till you actually need the building. Always just be moving forward. Now that you have the property, and that's what we did. Uh, we we just from 2014 to the time we broke ground in 2018. So we're talking four years, over four wow. years. Just had a mindset of we're just going to keep moving forward and sure. trust God to open up doors, and He did. How did you guys have the money to go ahead with a purchase of property? I mean, was that 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 must have been in the works then for a while? Part of that stewardship, maybe the the stewardship plans and talks that you'd been going on with your church. That hey, this is something that we are probably going to need to do at some point. And so you've been saving. Is that what was, or how how did that part work out? Like having the money to go ahead with the property when it came available. Yeah, yeah. Again, it goes back to the stewardship idea because we're primarily blue collar church. We've never We've never had a million dollars in the bank and, and just uh, sa saving up in, in that context. But each year, just that commitment of saying, hey, we, we need a building. We see the parking, keeping the need before people's eyes, gotcha. as well as the opportunity out there. And people would commit to it every fall. And so from 2010, a couple years after being in our old location, I started casting the vision for yet another location gotcha. because- we were starting to feel it a little bit. And so people gave to it every year and that went into savings. I see. And, I see. and that just accrued. And so when that property opened up in 2013, we, we were able to put a good, healthy down payment down and secure additional financing for that property. So then it's a matter of being patient and this isn't, this is something that happens. Hey, we decide we need a building, a new building. We're going to build this, buy this property, do this. And that you go out tomorrow and do that where it's a slower, slower process than that, or at least it, it was for your guys' situation. Oh yeah. It takes time. So once it's clear that this thing is moving forward, the city is involved, you've, you've gained approval through the city, which is always fun <laughs> working with the city. Uh, how did how did you go about actually designing and building the building? Is this something that was done primarily in house? Did you did you hire contractors? I'm assuming and uh, architects. How, how did you go about selecting all of that? Yeah, well, first of all, my my step was just to immerse myself in reading, just reading about it, about building projects and getting the different models and 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 two common models if you if you're going the contractor route is design bid build and then just design build where where basically it's more of a package deal 
And we went with the design bid build approach where we were to select an architect. He, he would design it. Then we'd bid it out among several contractors. And then we would select one and they would actually build it. Now that, that was an adventure of itself because at the outset, we were interviewing multiple architects, realizing that was the first step. And there were, there were three or four that we consulted initially and interviewed. And there was one that we went with that had a, a better attitude than all the others. He was willing to accommodate us. He seemed to have a heart for our church. And we got into this and he gave us a, a design that it was just clunky. It, it wasn't going to work for us. And, and then we started saying, well, th- the guy's a great attitude. He has a lot of experience building Carl's juniors, but he's never really built a church. And so at that point, we had to sit down and explain with them, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're wanting to go with an architect that has more experience as a church. Around that time, we found a local architect recommended by multiple people, had built multiple churches in the past, even in the area. They are very well known and respected. And they also sat down with us and said, hey, we'd give you a discounted rate as a church because we have a heart to help churches build. I mean, it wasn't like we were only paying them 20 bucks an hour. I mean, it was still a healthy amount hourly, but it was still a discount showing that they had a heart to help us. And man, no regrets with that architect. Phenomenal with the job that they did. And basically at that point, they just sat down and said, uh, hey, here, here's how much it would be for us to give you construction documents. And so it was more of a contract we made with them that this is the, the commitment we're making. And gotcha. that was acceptable to us. That was the next step that was needed for the, the next step. We'd already had our city approval with both of those aspects, site plan review and discretionary use. And so it's a matter of just nailing down our, our CDs. And so gotcha. that's what we did. We, we did use a middleman at that time as well okay. that was based out of Southern California hindsight is I wish we wouldn't have done that just Mm. because I feel like it ended up costing us more by having a representative going to the architect and we should have just gone directly to the architect I mean the trust would have been there and and we were a little leery at first so that was hindsight a lesson we learned not to use a a middleman just work directly with the architect sounds like being willing to just acknowledge hey when this isn't what we wanted right went with the first guy this isn't this isn't what we and this would work but not what we were had envisioned then taking the time to to set back and to go a different direction i, I mean i've seen your guys building it's beautiful and it's awesome and worth worth that extra couple of steps and i'm sure there was some money that was spent in one way that they had to pull back a little bit and go some other directions but that's worth it if you get the product at the end that you're really looking for during that time thomas i was i was starting to beat myself up because i realized due to my ignorance being the first time through this we we had probably spent about a hundred hundred fifty thousand dollars needlessly only to redo that and I'm beating myself up, man, we're all about stewardship. And I can't believe that, that we, we did this. And a faithful couple came up to us, to, to me, and just said, hey, we understand there's a learning curve in this. Yeah, right. Th- th- this is the cost of progress. Keep doing what you're doing. Right. And, and this is a family that's dedicated. They're faithful to give. They're involved in our building commitment. And boy, that's what I needed to hear at that time, because uh, I, I was I was kind of frustrated with myself. Yes. That Why didn't I see that? Well, of course, I'm not going to see it. I've not been down that road. 
but but I'm glad we changed it because that one hundred fifty thousand dollars would have become a lot more costly if we would have landed a terrible building <laughs> when it was all said and done. Yes, that was clunky. So absolutely, I've heard of situations where somebody's like, "Oh yeah, we have a guy in our church that does that," or he went to school for that. He hasn't done it for. 12 years, but he, you know, he went to school and he could probably do it for us for really cheap. And those kind of things can, sometimes Jesus blesses that way, but sometimes we just have to be careful and, and also be willing to say, brother, this, I, I, I love you and appreciate you, but we're, we're going to go a different direction here and yes, the situation that you need and want the, the product at the end that is going to be most yeah. helpful. And so those are hard conversations. Yeah. Amen to that, Tom. It's cheap is not always the cheapest. Yeah. Cheap ends yeah. up being very expensive in a building project. Yeah, you're right. That is a good point. How much of this would you recommend doing in-house, hands-on versus just hiring out? What what aspects can are safe to do in-house? What aspects do you just need to have an expert take care of? It, it just depends on what's in the congregation, right. who you have. Yeah. If, if there's someone who is gifted in that area, then... That's great. We, we don't have a lot of craftsmen in our congregation. While we sure. have a blue collar congregation, not a lot of highly skilled craftsmen. And th- therefore, it was uh, one of those things where the, the only thing that we were really involved in as a church was the finishes side, like painting, sure. carpeting, and the cleanup, and trying to provide meals for the, the crews. Land, so landscape that, that was about was one of those yeah, yeah. landscaping we appreciate nathan tackling the landscaping <laughs> he, he was uh like don't forget i did that <laughs> yeah that was something uh, we did in I'm house you mentioned that <laughs> yeah. yeah that was all in house <laughs> yeah yeah when our church had a pretty big remodel added on a big chunk of our building a number of years ago now but we had somebody hired to do the the plans, those kind of things. But at that point, we actually had a member of our church that was a contractor who was a, a general contractor, owned his own crew. So he was our main contractor on that and I saved the church a, a bunch of money Oh yeah, to do it that way. And that, that worked out wonderfully. When we hired a buddy of a buddy to do our air conditioning for that new part of that building, that was awful. <laughs> and I had to come back mm. five years later and we up in the attic finding like, you know, flex tubing that wasn't plugged into anything, just blowing hot air into the attic. And mm. it was, there were lots of things like that, that it was like, so there were some things that were really great about those times when, man, we have these people in our church that are talented and they're useful. We had a couple of certified electricians that could run all the wiring. That was all wonderful, but yeah, we, we didn't have an AC guy or, or a, a heating air conditioner guy. And we should have hired that out, even though it was going to cost more money. Because we ended up yeah. paying that same amount of money. We just did it 10 years later. And also all of the money that we wasted through that time. And it was five years later. But I would have to say that compared to some horror stories that I've heard during building programs, the, the building program here at Hillview Baptist Church went pretty smooth. I mean, as from, a con- from the context of within our church family, there was unity mm-hmm. overall. I praise the Lord that things ran pretty smoothly. Everybody was pretty much on board, but there there were a few uh, moments where there was some disagreement on how things should be done or what sort of design things should should be. So, how did you, as the pastor, trying to lead the congregation, uh, carrying this extra load of leading the church through a building program? How did you handle those kind of disunities or disagreements about different aspects of the building? I refused to have committees. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I got a good friend on the other side of town that he loves committees. It has worked well for him, but I'm like, that sounds like a big headache to me. Yeah. Yes. I, I just want to streamline things. And so we did not have building committees, even though almost every book I read advised that. I thought yeah. that doesn't fit our context. I'm not going to do committees for every single aspect of this building. Yeah. But at the same time, we had to get buy-in and we had to be unified. And so the, the way that I did that was was twofold. First of all, all the significant decisions I just ran by our deacons okay. and had them involved in the, that, that decision process. And then anything that was, you know, wide open that, that would have more, uh, more effect on, on people in the long run, I would actually call for people to stick around after a service, say, hey, we're going to hang out in the fellowship hall. I want to run some ideas by you. Here's some options. And I invite your feedback. And so that gave the congregation some buy-in. Okay. It, yeah. it was open to anybody who wanted to be in on that discussion. And so I think that helped. But then also there were particular aspects that I just delegated. For example, our signage, I delegated to one sister in the church who seemed to be passionate about that. And, then, and there were other other aspects. Nathan, I delegated the irrigation to you, even though that design was set. I mean, you just ran with that. And that was a huge blessing. There are some other aspects that just delegated to, to members to take care of trusting that they have good taste, they know what they're doing. But but those are the two ways of buy-in. Yeah. Streamlining it through the deacons, not having a bunch of committees, and then delegating certain sectors of the building project to members who I, I knew would do a good job and run with it yeah. in making those decisions. That's awesome. I love the idea of being able to just have that almost open house or open forum, being able to say, hey, these are the three options. I just like to hear what people are saying so I can get an understanding of where we yeah. are as a church. Doing it that way can, if those things were clear, it's not like you're backed into a corner or anything like that. Mm -hmm. If another option comes along or whatever, but it does give you the opportunity to to understand where, you, where your people are and understand what their hearts and desires are. I am sure we could talk for a couple more hours and there's so much more that we could discuss as far as our story and just different things that were, were neat and just how God worked. But as we're wrapping up this conversation, Pastor Davidson, maybe just one last piece of information that you would share with somebody who's doing this for the first time or thinking about doing this for the first time, what, what would you share with us? Well, first of all, strong disclaimer, since this is not the pastor, mm, thank you. The audience is probably not going to be the one deciding, you know, whether right. to move forward with the building. Right. Yep. Here are a couple of things just to keep in the, in the back of mind as you interact with, with your pastor. First of all, the big question would be motives. What, what are the motives in moving forward? Mm -hmm. and, and I mentioned this just because I sense this in my own heart. Sometimes I sense my own flesh creeping in like, man, this will, this will get us a name. This will really have sure. us shine brightly in the community. And man, that's, those aren't the right motives. Right. The motives need to be in line with, with the purpose of, of your church from the outset and the glory of God and the edification and reaching of people. And so yeah. that, that has to be the, the motive and, and I have seen in other pastors where the motive is, well, we got to have this fellowship, or there's a fellowship meeting coming up. We've got to have this building built so we can host this big national fellowship meeting. And man, that's that's a high cost to pay for a fellowship meeting and, and yes. to host it. So right. in, in a staff situation, maybe a good way is, is just asking and listening and good uh, tactful question to ask is start with why 
Hey, can you can you help me understand what what's motivating right. this building project? Yeah, sure. and what's inspiring this? You can't look at your pastor and say, "Hey, what is your what are your motives?" I mean, right. your pastor's right. probably going to get upset with that question. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and, seems like you're really interested in what those other preachers think about you right now. That's probably not yeah. the best probably not the yeah. best approach. <laughs> so. You're fired. But, but just, just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. Yeah, and then also going back to one of the first things I shared, make sure that you've explored all other options. Honestly, yes, don't get yeah. so hooked on a building project because a building project does not equal success. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think that we can sometimes forget that, especially when there's times or moments in church life where it seems like, well, if we just had more space, people would come. But the truth is, is that a bigger space doesn't necessarily mean a larger congregation right it can i mean that can be a, a reason why people are not coming maybe but it, it has to be led by the spirit yeah yeah amen well and, and and something i had had to really check regarding motives going into it i went to the middle east right before we broke ground and yes. was visited multiple churches over there and got a feel on uh, church life in the arab world hmm. and buildings are so overrated in america yeah. And so I, I went in with that mindset that man, success is not, it's not about Good. it. And this, this is just our moment in America, American Christianity, that buildings seem to make a big difference. But man, in the, in the historical context of Christianity, buildings are so small compared to the bigger matters of pursuing Christ. So. Yeah. Yeah. If this was a big deal, it'd probably be in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> There'd be a manual right, about right. it. So. Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Davidson, for your time. Thank you so much for joining us today on Not the Pastor. We sure hope that this episode was a help to you. If you want to check out that book that Brother Daniel Davidson mentioned, When Not to Build, there's a link to that in the show notes. You can find it on Amazon. We'd also invite you to check out our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash not the pastor. And finally, we just ask if, that you would rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Your five-star rating and heartfelt review are crucial to getting this podcast in front of more listeners, and so we appreciate your help that way. Until next week, we are not the pastor. Pastor.